Morning. In this you greatly rejoice, though now for a little while you may have had to suffer grief in all kinds of trials. First Peter one six. Tonight the continuation of the DVD series on evangelism in America, six PM and as usual finger foods. Annual business meeting for sure this Wednesday evening at 7 p.m. Reports are due. Um, Andrea's number there for prayer chain. The um, social for this Saturday, walk down memory lane, uh, that's uh, scheduled for this Saturday at 1 p.m. Soup and a dish to pass. And then also, uh, you were supposed to have had baby pictures to uh, Marcy, but I don't think that's happened. So we're going to ask for a show of hands. Is there anyone or how many are planning on coming on Saturday? I have one. I have two. I have three. Okay. So I'm counting like three, so I think the social committee wants to get together right after worship service and talk about uh, that for a moment, and uh, we'll go from there. March social is escape room, uh, race the clock to solve a mystery, and uh, sign up there on the helps board, cost is about $20. Acts and facts are here uh, for February, make use of those. Um, good stuff. Okay. Anything I've forgotten, omitted? Scripture for meditation this morning is found in Acts, the fifth chapter. Read 17 through 29.
Let's stand and open our service with prayer. Tom, can I ask you to open for us? Thanks. take your red hymnal, the Trinity hymnal, and turn to number 350, 350 in the Trinity. in the red. One day he's coming. Do we have a reason for this song this morning? I just think there's a lot of gospel in this song and a lot of truth. And um, there's one verse that I especially like, but now I don't. <laughs> I okay, it's okay. 
They're all good. We will sing them all.
scripture reading this morning is 1 Peter, first chapter, and we'll be reading verses 3 through 9. Please stand. The page this morning to, in your uh, pew Bibles should be uh, 857. 1 Peter chapter 1, verse 3. Praise be to the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. In his great mercy, he has given us new birth into a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead and into an inheritance that can never perish, spoil, or fade, kept in heaven for you, who through faith are shielded by God's power until the coming of, a, of the salvation that is ready to be revealed in the last time. In this you greatly rejoice, though now for a little while you may have had to suffer grief in all kinds of trials. These have come so that your faith of greater worth than gold, which perishes even though refined by fire, may be proved genuine and may result in praise, glory, and honor when Jesus Christ is revealed. Though you have not seen him, you love him. And even though you do not see him now, you believe in him and are filled with an inexpressible and glorious joy. For you are receiving the goal of your faith, the salvation of your souls. Concerning this salvation, the prophets who spoke of the grace that was to come to you searched intently and with the greatest care trying to find out the time and the circumstance to which the spirit of Christ in them was pointing when he predicted the sufferings of Christ and the glories that would follow where am I supposed to go to nine oh I'm done <laughs> sorry about that I hope you enjoyed the addition that's right amen <laughs> Thank you. Take your red hymnal again, the red trinity, and turn to number 655. 655 in the red again.
Our text of scripture this morning is found in 1 Peter 1, uh, verses 3 and following. In our last study on Christian living in perilous times, we listened as Peter explained God's gift of spiritual life. God gives new birth, verse 3. It's a term coined from Jesus' conversation with Nicodemus in which Jesus told this teacher of the law that he must be born again. If he ever expected to enter the kingdom of God, that had to happen. Jesus explained that such birth was the work of the Holy Spirit, thus spiritual birth, not physical in nature. Secondly, the new birth resulted in the gift of a living hope or assurance of life after death through the resurrection of Jesus. Verse 3, as Christ defeated the powers of death, so all in Christ will share in that victory. In other words, the grave does not win out over believers. And thirdly, we are given an unchangeable inheritance that can never, Peter says, never perish, spoil, or fade. Verse 4. Because it's in heaven where moth, rust, and thief have no access. The normal things that would decay or ruin things. Do not apply. Well, today's study addresses the trials that God's people must endure until the salvation they have been given comes to full fruition. You say, well, I don't like trials. Well, none of us do, but that's part of living in a sinful world, and yet God's grace is sufficient. Let's pray and ask him to teach us these important truths. Heavenly Father, thank you and bless you for uh, telling it like it is. There are places, we're learning some of that on Sunday nights in the video, there are some preachers that are saying, all is well, all will be good, everything will be wonderful if you become a Christian. Some of that, of course, is in the spiritual realm is true, but they're talking about Fortune, prosperity, good health, you know, all the things that the world would anticipate as being good. Some of which is true for us, but there are others who are suffering. Even as we pray and preach this morning, we have those that are sick. We have Sabra that's in the hospital with strokes that she had. We have... Suzanne, who's having trouble with uh, memory. We have others that are going in for surgery, Della, for tomorrow. And Lord, the, the, the list in our little church may not be a long list, but it is sufficient. And we do pray your blessing upon thus of us that are suffering. And keep our eyes and focused upon Jesus Christ, who certainly endured much more than we go through, and yet our hope 
is that like Christ, we will rise victorious. Bless us in this hour, save whom you will, in Jesus' name, amen. Our text is 1 Peter 1, and what I want to talk to you about today are the concept of temporary trials. Temporary in this sense that our trials are mitigated by the joy of our anticipated salvation. They're not ruinous, in other words. And they are temporary. (laughs) In verse 6, Peter says, In this you greatly rejoice. And I ask the question, well, Peter, tell us, in what is it that we greatly rejoice? Verse 5, he's referring to the coming of the salvation that's ready to be revealed in the last time. I think it's fair to say that most times we believe we believers view our salvation as a done deal, which we experience and enjoy right here and now. This is a great truth, I think, that no Bible-believing Christian would deny. Yet at the same time, there is also the truth that there are aspects of our salvation which have not yet come to fulfillment. Let me suggest some. Number one, well, we haven't yet died and gone to be with the Lord. That's kind of an obvious truth, right? And to that extent, we're still present in this earthly body, separated from being with Christ. Paul words it this way, 2 Corinthians 5, verse 6, We are always confident and know that as long as we are at home, in the body, we are away from the Lord. Now, that's the Apostle Paul. And it's a matter of physics, isn't it? We cannot be spatially present in two realms of existence at one and the same time. If we're here, we're not there. If we're there, we're not here. Secondly, Our life in this body and in this earthly realm is fraught with much sin and disobedience to God and a lack of personal holiness, all of which is the grand goal of salvation. Paul again words it this way. For those God foreknew, he also predestined to be conformed to the likeness of his Son, that he might be the firstborn among many brothers. Romans 8, verse 29. And yet I say that conformity to the character of Jesus is a work in progress which has not been completed. Paul, in giving his personal testimony, said this. And I like this because he's being so honest. Not that he wouldn't be otherwise, but, you know, you can be honest and not tell everything that is known but he tells it here he says i know says paul that nothing good lives in me that is in my sinful nature i have the desire to do what is good but i cannot carry it out wow for what i do is not the good that i want to do no 
The evil I do not want to do. This is what I keep on doing. Romans 7 verse 18 and 19. So the reality of being saved from sin. While not in doubt. Has not materialized yet. It is part of the salvation to come. The idea of no more sin in our lives. Thirdly, our body has yet to be made like that of Christ. Our body. Again, the apostle writes, Our citizenship is in heaven. We eagerly await a Savior from there, the Lord Jesus Christ, who, by the power that enables him to bring everything under his control, will transform our lowly bodies so that we may be like his glorious body. Philippians 3, verse 20 21. Again, this happened, has not happened yet either. And so it is yet a future part of our salvation. We're waiting for it. Maybe even anticipating. Number four. The end of all sorrow and heartache and tears has not been realized. And yet this is one of the promises of gaining heaven through salvation. Let me read it for you. And I heard a loud voice from the throne saying, Now the dwelling of God is with men, and he will live with them. They will be his people, and God himself will be with them and be their God. He will wipe every tear from their eyes. There will be no more death, or mourning, or crying, or pain, for the old order of things has passed away. He who was seated on the throne said, I'm making everything new. And then he said, write this down, for these words are trustworthy and true. And he said to me, it is done. I am the Alpha and the Omega, the beginning and the end. To him who is thirsty, I will give to drink without cost from the spring of the water of life. And he who overcomes will inherit all of this. And I I will be his God, and he will be my son. Revelation 21, verses 3 and following. Now, all of this is future stuff, can I put it that way, in regard to our salvation. Promises sure to be kept, but they're not here, and they're not now. They're not yet. They're not at hand at present. Notice in our text that Peter, while believing in a present salvation, most often refers to the future aspects of our salvation. That's kind of unique. Look at verse 5. He speaks of the coming salvation ready to be revealed at the last time. Verse 7. He refers to the results of praise and glory when Jesus Christ is revealed. But not here and not now. Verse 9. For you are receiving the goal. Of your faith. The salvation of your souls. 
Again, the idea that it's a goal, but it's not here yet. Verse 10, concerning this salvation, the prophets spoke of the grace that was to come to you. Verse 13, set your hope fully on the grace to to be given you when Jesus Christ is 